Hallelujah. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord for his goodness. We, uh, as, as children of God, we, we've got to understand the, the life that we live. We've got to understand the battles that we face. And I don't, I don't like to talk about battles a lot because people get a little carried away with that. You know, I don't, I don't like to hear people say I'm under attack from the devil. I do not. That's my personal opinion. I do not like that statement because it puts us under the authority of somebody that has been defeated. Amen. He might be coming against you, but he is not over you. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> oh, thank God. We, we got to remember our position. And, but there is there's warfare, and we're seeing major, major, major warfare all over this world right now. And it's the Jesus, or Paul said, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. In uh, Ephesians chapter 10, he said, he said, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, Paul wrote this in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now listen, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Turn in your Bibles with me, if, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 2, where was that last week? Just trying to lay a little groundwork here because we need to know what, what we're dealing with today and know where we stand, how all this happens, and uh, realize that we, it's not the flesh and blood that we are seeing. The manifestation of it is what we're seeing, the manifestation of the manipulation the manifestation of the influence is what we're seeing but we've got to learn to go to the heart of the issue and that's one of the things that, that we don't do a lot of times we we deal with the surface and when you're dealing with the surface there's always going to be confusion you're never going to be able to get to the bottom of things because uh, the circumstances and all that kind of stuff it changes it morphs it 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 just recreates itself over and over and over. If all you ever do is, is deal with the symptoms of something, it just keeps recreating itself in some other, in some other way. And so in Acts chapter 2 and verse 5, after the Spirit of God had came on the day of Pentecost, it says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. Now notice what it says there, from every nation under heaven. And when a sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each, of our, each in our own language in which we were born, Parthian, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, 
Those dwell in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, uh, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. Hear them speak in their own tongue the wonderful works of God. Now, it says that they were gathered to Jerusalem from, from every nation the known world at that time, from every nation under heaven. The known populated world that time, ev there was representatives there from every nation. Now, that started a long time ago, way before we, the day of Pentecost. God was setting this thing up years before. Now, I want to ask you a question. Here we have a story of the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God coming, people being filled with the Spirit, and then Peter gets up to preach, and when he gets up to preach, he begins to declare Jesus, who they had just crucified, and begins to declare the name of Jesus and preach the gospel, and he invited people to be saved, to repent, and to know the Lord, and at that time, 3,000 people accepted Christ as their Savior. That's a lot of people. Now, get this picture. Just a few days earlier, go to book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 69 Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also are with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all. He said, I do not know who you're saying, what you're saying. Now, in verses 21 through 23, now Judas has already betrayed Jesus. This dark scenario began to play out. Judas had already betrayed Jesus. Now Peter is denying Jesus. And in verse 21, Pilate, he said, the governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas, which Barabbas was a rebel. He was a murderous rebel. And they said, release Barabbas to us. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called to Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. The governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. This is a rebel scene of disruption and confusion. And all of a sudden, the people begin to cry out, let him be crucified. That is not normal for people to do. There's something bigger going on here. Amen. They crucified Jesus, and there was such turmoil. There was attacks. There was, there was people just, people acted just ridiculous. 
I mean, the, the Pharisees acted, I mean, some, some of them, you know, they, they beat Jesus. They, uh, I think one place it said they tried to bite him. And, you know, it was, it was weird. When Stephen, they, I mean, what, who, who does that? I seen a video of a woman being stoned in the Middle East. I think because she went outside without her husband's permission or something like that. And they stoned her to death. And I saw this video, and, and I, as I was watching this, it's the awfulest thing I've ever seen in my life. And as I was watching this, I thought, how can human beings lower themselves to the point of taking rocks and hitting another human being as they writhe in pain and just continuing to throw rocks and hit them until they finally begin to not respond to the pain and they continue hitting them until they kill them. Like a bloodthirsty mob converging on one person. Can anybody agree with me that that is not normal behavior? So what is it that we're dealing with? This scene where Jesus is standing there, and they begin to cry out for a murderous rebel to be released instead of Jesus, who did nothing but heal and help and feed, and yet they begin to cry out for a murderous rebel to be released instead of Jesus. And then they begin to cry out for him to be crucified, and it was a mob scene. It was this frenzy Worked up frenzy where people come under the power of something that manipulated them and was orchestrating this mob. But just 50 days later, the same people that were crying, crucify him suddenly begin to hear the strange noise coming out of an upper room and they heard people speaking in their language from there where they were born and they came running together. Oh, there was over 3,000 there that ran together because we know that at least 3,000 gave their lives to the Lord. And then another time, 5,000 just after that. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, what happened between the time where there's frenzy of crucify him and all of a sudden one man stands up, preaches the gospel about the very man that they just crucified and they begin to get saved and there is no frenzy. What happened? Somebody got dethroned. A new power suddenly took control of the situation. Amen. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Daniel. I could just, I could, I could just jump right into hanky-waving and snot-slinging and shouting right now. 
I mean, you know, we could get with it. But we got to back up and we got to get, we got to understand some stuff here because it's important that we know how to pray because prayer is the most important thing we could do today. We are not praying for revival. Prayer is the revival. The manifestation that comes out of that is not the revival. It is the manifestation of the prayer. The communion with God, the revelation, the understanding. Praise God. Turn with me to the book of Daniel. Amen. I just said last week I'd, I'd remove eschatology out of my preaching, and I'm, that's not where I'm going, okay? <laughs> Daniel. I'm not going to preach on, on what's, you know, the devil taking over or anything like that. I'm going to preach on Jesus. And I got I to let you know something. It's not over until he says it's over. Yeah. Book of Daniel chapter 10. You know, I, I've grown up all my life. I mean, from the time I remember, every message was on eschatology. You know, the end time. And, and so I grew up dreading my future. I really did. I grew up scared, afraid, dreading. And I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not, I'm not coming down on people for that. But I'm saying that we have overdosed on end times to the point that we become ineffective in the now. I got to tell you something. What's going to happen tomorrow will happen tomorrow. But I'm only in charge of today. I can only do today what I, I, I can only apply myself to what God's doing right now. I can't do anything about the coming Antichrist, but I can do something about the Christ today. I can touch somebody's life. I can change somebody's life. I can change the course of a nation today. Oh, I'm going to get my hanky out. Come on, Val. Whip that thing. I mean, come on. <laughs> In the book of Daniel, chapter 10. I've got, to try to, I've got to try to do this. Book of Daniel chapter 10 and verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me. What? Which made me tremble. Hey, I've been here. That's why it excites me. I've been here. Suddenly a hand touched me and made me tremble on my knees. And on the palms of my palms, I mean, he was down on his hands and knees trembling because somebody touched him that was greater than him. There was a power surge through him. He felt the glory of God. He suddenly got in a presence greater than any presence of this world come down. And that hand touched him. And he said, oh, ho, ho, ho. Woo! I know that ain't Martha. Something bigger. Somebody's touching me that's got power. And he started shaking. I have been there. I have been, I'm about, I'm about to get the, the church of God jerks up here. I mean, I'm about to get the miracle whip going. Yeah. I got to try to read this. <laughs> and he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, understood Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. Oh, praise God. 
While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your, your heart to understand and to be humble before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Oh, come on, somebody. Could we not? I could, I could stop and preach on every verse here. I've come because of your Angels are waiting. I said, angels are waiting. They're waiting for us to say something. Waiting for us to give some decrees. Hey, say something. <laughs> Woo. Glory. Your words are powerful. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Now, let's skip down to verse 21. But I will tell you what is noted in the Scripture truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. I got to back up to verse 20. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come you hearing what I'm saying here? We're not talking about human beings. These princes he's talking about are principalities and powers. And he said, I have tried to get to you, but I've been in a fight with the prince of Persia, the deity or the being that has authority over that region. Now, he said, I've got to go back and fight with the prince of Persia, but when I leave, the prince of Greece is coming. Now, the prince of Greece empowered a man called Alexander the Great. This is when this happened. This is when Alexander the Great rose up and conquered Persia. Remember the story? He went in and conquered Persia. Alexander the Great was not a nice man. He was a sinful man. He was one that, that uh, had a lot of personal issues. But he came under the auspices and the authority of a being that empowered him. Now, when Alexander the Great began to conquer, he conquered Persia, but when he came to Israel, in his teachings when he was growing up, he had been taught about, about gods and religious things. And instead of, instead of conquering Israel, he was intrigued by Israel. He was intrigued by their worship. He was intrigued by their doctrines. And instead of conquering Israel, he made an agreement with Israel, a treaty. Now, as Alexander the Great went across the known world at that time, conquering nations, 
the Jews linked up with him and followed him as he conquered and established synagogues in every place that Alexander the Great conquered. So Judaism was being established throughout the world following the conquering of an ungodly king. I want you to see how God works. A lot of people say, oh, we got to have the perfect structure for God to work. I tell you what, God will go in the midst of stuff that isn't even right and bring something good out of it and end up making the devil do his work for him. Amen. God has no problem letting the devil dig ditches for him. Amen. And so Alexander the Great conquered, and the Jews linked up and started establishing synagogues and spreading, spreading their, the, the Jews spread out all over the world at that time. Now, fast forward to the day of Pentecost, and all the Jews from all over the world had come to Jerusalem to the feast. Does God not know what he's doing? How many years before did God start setting this up? To where there would be representatives from every nation of the known world of that time present when he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, and they all heard him speak. They heard him speak with the language that they'd come from, and they heard him speak the wonderful works of God, and they heard the name of Jesus that just a few days before they was crying, crucify him, and now they are hearing the glory of God being preached, and they accept him as Lord and Savior. What made the difference? How come it went from mass hysteria and murder to Holy Ghost outpouring and salvation in the same place with the same people in a matter of 50 days? Well, I'm going to answer that. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Praise God. I've I, I turned this thing, I've turned this every direction trying to figure out how to present this, and this is how I'm doing it. Um, Colossians, chapter 2. I probably won't get to it today, but in the future, maybe next week, I don't know, we're going to talk about how to qualify, what, what, qualifies this, how, what has to happen in order for what I'm preaching about today to, to be empowered, okay? Colossians chapter 2. I got to find some other notes. In verse 13, it says, and you being dead in your trespasses, and in circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, 
having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it, having nailed it to the cross. Praise God. Oh, man. We got to, there's so many directions we can go with this. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The next verse, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Having disarmed. Another, another translation is that having put off, overcome, having disarmed principalities and powers. Now listen, the word principality, it speaks of beginning, government, and rule. But it's being used here of the word they, that, that they use as super mundane beings. In other words, that which is, is above mundane. Not superhuman because these beings were never human. Maybe supernatural would be a better word. Supernatural beings is what's being spoken of here. In other words, beings that are not of flesh. And yet these beings have been given rule. These super mundane beings who exercise rule. That's what a principality means. Remember Ephesians chapter 10 and 6, six and 10. We don't we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. And they were given authority. Now, these, these principalities were given authority and power, authoritative power, and they were given an assignment by God over certain districts, regions. But these beings left the plan of God and went after their own objective. Remember the fall. But they maintained their authority because God had given them authority and had given them assignment, but they went away from God's plan. And began to rule over these regions under their own authority. Back to the book of Daniel, the prince of Persia has resisted me, and I've been stuck there with the kings of Persia. What was he saying? I've been battling against the men who are under the authority of this prince. 
and he resisted me. And he said, I was there by myself, fighting by myself. Now, I don't totally understand the supernatural realm or the rule of God or the spirit realm, how it works, but I do know that it's very legal. It, it ha it's very legal. There are, it is black and white. You either have power or you don't have power. You have power until a greater one with more authority comes and takes your power away from you, and then you no longer have power because it's been taken away. Very legal. And so this messenger said that the prince of Persia has resisted me. But Michael, one of the princes of God, a warrior for God, this guy don't play a harp and, and ride on clouds. This is a warring angel, Michael. If Michael shows up, things are about to happen. When the dust clears, somebody's going to be a winner. Amen. This is not somebody that shows up to negotiate. This is not somebody that shows up to say, would you please get out of my way? When Michael shows up, he shows up with fire in his eyes, with intent on his face, and he means for things to happen. If he has to come, you're in trouble. In other words, Michael has an attitude. And he don't like stupid things. No. If he shows up, you need to keep your mouth shut and do what he says because he really doesn't appreciate small talk. And Michael showed up and overcame the prince of Persia so that the messenger could get to Daniel. That's exciting to me because I serve the same God Daniel served. <laughs> Only something different is today. I don't have to wait just on angels. I got somebody living inside of me that has direct contact with the throne of God. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to break this place of ass pulpit if I Woo! I'm trying to stay still. You guys on the camera, oh, my goodness. You better be. I'm going to try to stay still. Michael showed up and overthrew, overcame, so that the messenger could get to Daniel and give him a message. But then he said, now the prince of Greece is coming, and we've already went over that story. And so between the crucifixion and the day of Pentecost, 50 days, the Bible says in Colossians that Jesus disarmed 
overthrew, overpowered. Oh, we got to read a little more. Powers, principalities and powers. The word powers means freedom of action. Freedom of action. The right to act. Absolute unrestricted. What Jesus was dealing with and what we are dealing with are principalities and powers, supra-mundane beings that have separated themselves from the will of God and now serve under who we call Lucifer and dominate regions, have assignments over regions. But when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, all of these beings attacked. They meant to destroy him. Because he had been causing way too much trouble. The problem is the devil didn't know the end of the story. It says if they had known, they would not have crucified the Son of God. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus appeared weak. He went in and he knelt down. I am skipping over so much. He got down before God, and his, the, the stress and the pressure was so much that blood literally began to come through the pores of his skin. Why? Because Jesus was releasing his authority over the spiritual, supernatural realm. When they come to arrest him, what happened? Oh, my goodness. Be still, legs. Be still. When they come to arrest him, what happened? They said, we're looking for Jesus. Jesus said, that's me. And all these big tough soldiers just fell down as dead. Jesus had to get them back up so they could arrest him. He had to give them the power to arrest him. <laughs> Woo, yeah. After that, there was no more demonstration of authority or power that came out of Jesus. He became as a sheep before the shearers. He no more tried to defend himself. He didn't operate in the supernatural anymore. He yielded himself to the death of the cross or they could not have crucified him. He yielded himself to the beatings. He yielded himself to the accusations. He yielded himself to being spit on. He yielded himself to, to being stripped naked and nailed on a cross and lifted up between heaven and earth. He yielded himself, and when that happened, all of these beings, these princes, they attacked him in the Garden of Gethsemane and went after him until he was dead. They, were mar they marveled that he had died so soon. I want to read something from the exposition of Lightfoot. 
Lifeless says there is no doubt that Satan has hosts gathered together to attack the soul of Christ. While he was enduring in propitiatory sacrifice the judgment due to our sins and fulfilling the great work of redemption, there is an intimation of this in Psalms 22, 21. Save me from the lion's mouth, yea, from the horns of the wild ox. Doubtless the powers of darkness gathered against the Lord at that time, fiercely assaulting him to the utmost of their power. He himself had said, this is your hour, and the power of darkness in Luke twenty-two fifty-three. The metaphor of putting off from himself these powers need not be pressed to the extent of regarding them as a garment clinging about him. It seems to stand simply as a vivid description of his repulsion of their attack. Now listen to this. And of the power by which he completely overthrew them. See, Jesus yielded himself to being crucified, but Satan, in his joy of trying to get rid of the Son of Man, forgot about the legal status of Jesus. See, legally, Satan had nothing on him. He had no accusation. He had no condemnation. The great judge of heaven could not condemn him because though he took upon himself the sin of the world, he himself was sinless. So these deities attacked to destroy the Son of God. But when the blood was shed and taken to the mercy seat of heaven and put on the mercy seat, all of a sudden, God declared these beings illegal and overthrown and judged and dispowered. Because they had broke the eternal covenant and law of God. It says he disarmed principalities and powers. Made a show of them openly. Triumphing over them in it. When he was nailed on the cross, they signed their death warrant. When he was nailed to that cross and died, they gave up their power. Amen. In Christ. Now, let me qualify this. In Christ, they have no authority. Outside of Christ, they still rule because their assignment has not been canceled. It won't be until Jesus comes down and puts them in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. But we are seeing the operation of these 
supramundane beings today all over the world. I'm going to make some bold statements today, and if you get upset with me, I don't care. It's okay. This COVID-19 thing was orchestrated by supramundane beings. That's how it was spread all over the world at one time and locked down governments all over the world. The world literally became hostage to these beings because they began to usurp authority over that which not was not sanctified and yielded to Christ. But I got to tell you something. They forgot there's still a church. They forgot there's still praying people because the people of God begin to pray and begin to rebuke this thing. And it did not have the power they thought it was going to have. This was supposed to be the end. This was supposed to be the big event where they take over and all of a sudden there was a day of Pentecost people rose up and begin to glorify God and begin to pray and there's a new king that begin to rise up and take authority and remove their power. And all of a sudden this thing started fizzling out. I, I saw a vision when we first started praying about this. I saw a vision of those that thought that were in union with these beings and thought they were going to, I mean, this is going to be their moment of power. And we was praying, and I saw a vision of them going like this. So somehow, in a short amount of time, we went from COVID-19 to riots, and now, and now we can gather together. <laughs> Smartest virus in the history of the world that knows not to go to the riots, but only attend churches. Come on, somebody. I got to tell you something. If we were not having church, if we were still under lockdown, if we weren't having church, I didn't ask nobody. I just got tired of it and said, we're having church. And if, I was, if it was still that way, I would rise up, and every pastor in America needs to rise up today and say, fooey on you. That's the worst word I could come up with. Thankfully, Holy Spirit sanctified my vocabulary at that moment. If I had a church in California, I would say, whoops, blew it. We're having church. Why? Because this thing has been orchestrated. But you got to understand, people are under the manipulation of these beings, and it's being orchestrated. These things are being orchestrated. 
it's a, it's a worldwide. You see the power. You see the regional demons that are orchestrating this thing, and they still have power until, until the people of God begin to call on the name of the Lord and begin to let the power of God rise up. And we still have an influence and a power and authority in this world. Amen. We have authority today in Christ. Outside of Christ, no authority. But in Christ, we have authority. Just watch. Those that are yielded to these beings, what, that's, where, that's where this mayhem and madness is able to operate. Those that are not yielded to it, states or places that are not yielded to it, it can't get in. Why? Because there's a resistance. There's a power. Amen. There's angels stationed. And when they come trying to take God's territory, where the people of God are calling on the name of the Lord, they run into these guys like Michael that has an attitude and he's not here to play. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So what do we do? I, got, I don't have time. I don't have time to go into. We've, we've got to go back to where Jesus said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. A lot of, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us think that has to do with just ungodly appetites. It has to do more than that. It is coming under an authority. It is rejecting one authority coming under another authority. And we got to bring our lives under this authority, the authority of Jesus. See, rebellion and disobedience empowers these forces. But obedience to God disarms them. That's why when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, in a place where riots and, and confusion had been and bloodthirsty people and, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, all of that was gone. To the point that the rulers didn't know what to do with these people. Why? Because all of a sudden, they didn't have the authority of these supramundane beings empowering them. They didn't know what to do with the church. They didn't know what to do with the apostles. They'd, they'd beat them a little bit and sit them out and say, now don't you preach his name anymore. And the disciples go out and just preach, just preach the kingdom of God everywhere and people getting saved to the point that, they, that one of them said, they're turning the world upside down. Why? Because everywhere the gospel went, these demonic beings fell and Jesus became Lord. I mean, look, the gospel grew so in Rome that it fell. How'd that happen? Because that which empowered the rule of Rome all of a sudden was no longer empowering. See what I'm talking about? We're under this today. We're fighting. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're, we're warring against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, 
spiritual wickedness in high places. But what was it Paul said? When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand therefore. See, the news media ain't showing you what's really going on. There's riots taking place, but there's also prayer meetings, worship services, and reconciliation taking place all over this nation. There's police officers and gang members kneeling together and praying instead of rioting. Amen. There are people worshiping in places where the devil, the very place where George Floyd was murdered and, and that took place, there's a gospel is being preached and people are getting saved in that very spot. Why? Because what the devil thought he owned, all of a sudden the kingdom of God moved in and began to deliver people from the power of Satan. Stand with me today. If you don't stand up, I'm going to keep preaching. And my voice ain't going to take it. Oh, Jesus, we serve you. We humble ourselves before you. Lord, we do not raise ourselves up in perceived greatness. We raise ourselves, we lower ourselves before you, realizing that it's your greatness, that it's your name. All the songs we sung today, all the songs the worship team sung today was about this message, and they didn't even know what I was preaching. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You got to make a choice today. Are you going to serve the beings that torment? Are you going to serve the beings that cause problems and, and devastation in this world? Or are you going to bring yourself under the authority of the name of Jesus and serve the living God and bring and have life in your very being? That's the decision everyone has to make. Who, who am I going to serve? Because you can't serve two masters. You, got only, you can only serve one. And Jesus has paid the price for us to deliver us from the manipulating power of the kingdom of darkness. That's why when you give your life to the Lord many times, it's like, it's like this blanket raises off, off of you. I've had people that give their life to the Lord. I mean, I'm talking about really commit their life to the Lord. I've had them say, you know, I walked outside and the trees were greener. The sky was bluer. I don't know what happened. Everything was more vivid. What happened? The cloak of the enemy of darkness was taken off of you, and the glory of God was put on you. Where, where what God created was more powerful in your, in your very being. We've got to ask ourselves today, who will I serve? I wonder what God's setting up today. If he used an ungodly king like Alexander the Great to spread the Jews all over the world so that he on the day of Pentecost would gain a representative for every nation on the earth. I wonder what God's been planning and doing today.
See, a lot of people, reason I don't talk a lot about the end time is because I know this. Grace and mercy can change the course. How many times have we been at the place where the world has almost fallen? And yet grace and mercy change the course. See, I don't believe there's a set time. I believe that God looks to the hearts of his people. And we have a choice today. Are we going to succumb to this world, the system of this world, or are we going to raise up and have a move of God that spreads all across this world and around this globe? There are more people coming to, to Christ in Iran today than ever before in history. See, that bean thinks he's got Iran. We even have prophecies about it. But there's another king that's invading. And the power of the gospel is growing in Iran by the day. Soon can be, will be the most Christian nation in the Middle East. Who are you going to serve? The loser or the winner? Amen. I believe, I, I believe somebody needs to make a choice right here today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask right now that you would draw hearts, that you would draw lives. Father, we ask right now that you would empower people to make that choice for you. We break the power of the enemy. We break the manipulating power of the devil over people's lives. And we command and go in the power of Jesus. Bring freedom. Break every chain. Break every chain in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. I want to give you an opportunity. If you've not made your choice for Jesus, if you don't know that it's absolute, if you have not said, Lord Jesus, you are Lord of my life, take over. I want you to come forward today. We're going to pray with you. We're going to give you a few minutes. Come on. You need to make that choice right now. I made that choice when I was 17 years old, and God got a hold of my life, and I came to the front and never changed my mind. Jesus has been Lord of my life since I was 17 years old. Hallelujah because it, I, I realize that he is the winner. Father, I thank you for your glory. Thank you for your power. Break every chain. Break every chain. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for freedom, Father.